Welcome to the Coaching Through Chaos podcast, helping you conquer the chaos in your life. Your host is licensed marriage and family therapist, Dr. Colleen Mullen. Dr. Colleen has been doing what she does for almost two decades. She's a private practice owner, a chaostician, a magazine columnist, a best-selling author, and her work or writing has been featured on countless websites including Fortune, Martha Stewart Weddings, Psych Central, The New York Post, Success, and many more. Listen in as she brings you experts in the psychology of life. They may be New York Times bestsellers, key players in their profession, or people who have overcome tremendous obstacles in life and are here to share their story to help you live your best life. Let's get to it. Stay tuned for our next chaos-crushing guest. Here is your host, Dr. Colleen Mullen. Hey, everybody. Thanks for joining me. This is episode number three of the Coaching Through Chaos podcast, bringing you what you need to succeed. I'm your host, Dr. Colleen Mullen. My purpose is to bring you resources designed to empower you and enhance your life. This episode is about the one who won't go away. I'm talking about stalking. The first stalking laws were enacted in 1990, and they have spread from California to cover all 50 states and U.S. territories. With how much access we all have to each other these days through the internet and social media, the incidence of stalking has greatly increased in recent years. My interest in stalking lies in my own personal experience. I was stalked for about nine months back in 1992. I'll share my story with you and then we'll get into today's interview on the subject. My guest expert today is retired detective Mike Proctor. His book, Antidote for a Stalker, goes over everything you'd ever want to know about who stalkers are, their personality makeup, and how to protect yourself. He chronicles fascinating stories throughout the book describing all the different types of stalkers and the behaviors that they can exhibit. He's going to share with you one of the first documented stalking cases that he followed for well over a decade in order to catch the perpetrator. You'll really want to hear him tell that story. The article that goes along with this podcast on priceofbusiness.com covers all sorts of information on stalking. There you can find information on the history and prevalence of stalkers, how to find out what the laws are in your state, some of the personality profiles that have been documented, and how to protect yourself. I'll also provide you with a list of helpful links to connect yourself with help for stalking. So my story goes like this. In 1992, I was living with a boyfriend on Long Island. This was long before the days of cell phones, so all the contact from my stalker was on a landline in my home. Sometime around October of that year, I started getting calls from a man who would whisper my name. Some days he would linger and I could hear him breathing, but most times once he said my name a few times and he got a response out of me, he would hang up. He was calling me at random times when I was both alone at home or when my boyfriend was over or my friends were over. I didn't at first think I was actually being stalked. I thought I was probably just getting harassed by some guy I met at a party or something. Figured he got my number from someone, and although he was inappropriate, I wasn't fearful. But then things changed. At some point around December of that year, he started calling right after my boyfriend would leave for work around 5 in the morning. He would still call and breathe and say my name, but after a couple of weeks, he indicated to me that he knew I was alone. Certainly by that time, I was fearful that he was actually watching me and not just pranking my phone. I reached out to the police and the phone company. Unfortunately, they weren't much help. I wanted the phone company to put a trace on the phone calls, but they told me that they couldn't. The police also left me hanging. They basically told me to just watch over my shoulder, 
stay aware of my surroundings, and if he made himself known to me, they could do something, but until then, there was nothing really that they could do. Remember, this is back when the laws were very new. I'm not even sure if there were stalking laws in New York at the time. An officer, though, did offer to come to my home to help me become more aware of the vulnerable places at my apartment complex. He was kind enough to point out the attic entrance above the exterior door to my apartment, and he said, now, don't stand too long in front of that door, or he could be waiting up there to attack you. And I thought, thanks, officer, because I wasn't scared enough already. So life went on. The guy kept calling and harassing me. I was pretty fearful of being alone during that time, but it all did come to an end. Sometime around May the following year, I got a call from a detective who asked me to come down to the local station. They told me that they caught my stalker. I didn't recognize the name or the address where he claimed to have met me. They caught him because he quote-unquote presented himself to two other women he was stalking. They were able to identify him and were pursuing charges. I was asked to testify if needed, but in the end I didn't have to. I was informed that they were able to put him away on the testimony of the other two women. I've been grateful that my stalking basically amounted to nine months of phone calls, and once it was done, I was able to put it away and move forward. I didn't stop trusting people or hide myself away. I treated the experience as an anomaly rather than as an expected occurrence. I walked away from the experience with a better understanding of the importance of being aware of my surroundings and my own personal safety. I'm really truly glad, though, that there are laws meant to protect people now and that if that were to happen again, things could probably go a little differently as far as getting intervention sooner. So we're just about to get into our interview with Detective Proctor. I'll tell you that he has received the Defender of Justice Award in 2003 from a member of the California legislation on his continued work in the area of stalking. And in 2011, he was appointed to the National Stalking Academy, sponsored by the Home Secretary's Office in the United Kingdom. He's assisted states in changing their stalking laws, as well as helped countries in the development of their legislation. He really is an authority on this subject, and I can't wait for you to hear him tell his story. We'll be right back. You're listening to Coaching Through Chaos, your host, Dr. Colleen Muller, bringing you what you need to succeed. So, Detective Proctor, can you tell us about how you were introduced to the phenomenon of stalking behavior? Yeah. Um, what happened is, during the course, I was working homicide at the time. I was a cop for 34 years. And during the period, that course of time, I worked undercover. I worked Metro, which is heavy felons. And I was also uh, Chief's Administrative Aide for a period of time. And, and through that, I taught school for the police department as well because I was a teacher for as a cop. But at the time that the stocking law came to fruition, which was actually 1991, January of 91, it was the first stocking law ever written in the world. And it was written by an Orange County judge and an Orange County um, state representative. And everybody thinks it had to do with the motion picture industry. And motion picture industry did bring stocking to the forefront, but that's not why the law was written. The law was written because in Orange County at the time, there were four to five females that were killed by their significant others and stalked prior, and there was no law to cover it, and that's why they developed this law. So what happens, I was working on homicide, and we got a call from an insurance company, and the insurance company advised us that there was a male that called them and said, 
a female that was insured by them had her husband insured for a, a good amount of money and that she had hired him to be a hitman and kill the husband to split the proceeds with him. Therefore, we called the female in to talk to her, and when she came in, she we found out she was a successful businesswoman. She had a whole stack of paperwork of all the, the crimes that this suspect had committed against her and found out that the guy that called the insurance company was actually her stalker and had been stalking her for the past nine years. So through a tearful interview, uh, mm-hmm. we found out a great deal about this individual. What turned out is we developed the stocking case. We submitted it to the district attorney's office. No one wanted to handle it because no one had ever handled the stocking case. It was brand new. In fact, we had the second stocking case in the United States and basically in the world. LAPD had the first one. Mm -hmm. So it turned out we arrested this guy three times over a period of years. He ended up stalking her off and on for 19 years. And what happened is Towards the end of the stalking, the 19 years, he went back to Alabama where he'd been stalking another female prior to stalking our victims in California. Now, we have three stalking victims in California. These guys are serial in nature, so they don't stalk more than one person at a time, but they will stalk multiple people. They'll go from one to the next. Absolutely. Uh huh. And what happens usually to get intervention on another person, the police department comes in and does an intervention, and then they move on to another victim. Mm. But anyway, he went back to Alabama. There's an individual he had it out for, and he strapped into a chair and, and beat him to death in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. The original stalking victim in Alabama, who had been kidnapped and raped by this suspect, called the stalking victim that she knew because we had communicated back and forth at that time, and she notified me that he had committed this homicide. I contacted uh, Tuscaloosa, and I said, look, we can tell you where this guy's going to be within the next couple days, and where he hangs out, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I can see this guy rolling his eyes, sitting back in the chair, (laughs) going, what, do you got a crystal ball? Come on. Mm-hmm. I said, no, we have a 700-page crime report on this individual, and we've kept tabs on him over the years. And the guy says, oh, no, there's no way you know where this guy's going to be. I said, okay, fine. Do me a favor and call the Ontario Police Department. I'm going to tell you that this guy's going to be in this area at this time, at this location, either be in front of a library or he's going to be in this cafe drinking coffee and talking to people. And the guy goes, Okay, I'll give it a shot, but I, I don't understand how you can know this. Because we profile the stalker. Yeah. We do a threat assessment, and then we profile him. We knew everything about this guy. So he calls the PD. Three days later, both suspects are in custody. They were standing out in front of the library at the corner. Unbelievable. He was right there. <laughs> yeah, I went back to Tuscaloosa, Alabama, flew me back, and I testified against him in the penalty phase, and now he's doing two life sentences. He was profiled on America's Most Wanted. Uh, on one of the cases that we Uh have when we did a special on stalking with uh, John Walsh. So that's how I got involved with stalking. Wow. Right from the get-go, you were you were there. What an an amazing case, too, just to stick with a case for so long. And to know how to profile the way that you did, you developed this over time. And, you know, your most recent book, Antidote for a Stalker, is 
packed with very specific information. You've got all the stalking behaviors down by country, personality disorder, and types of stalking. And it really is like a comprehensive education on the subject. Can you tell us about the different types of stalkers? I know that you've got it down to uh, like three types of stalkers as the top headings. Can you elaborate on those? Yeah, what we try and do is I try and keep it simple. And and, uh, a lot of times people think that all stalkers are the type that go after celebrities because they get the most exposure. Uh, but um, only about 9 to 10% of all stalking is media-related. The rest of it is uh, the vast majority of domestic violence or intimate partners. So we have three basic classifications of stalker, because each stalker is different, but they can fall under these general overview headings. One of them is domestic violence or intimate partner. Mm-hmm. That's about 80% to 85% of all stalking. Then you have the individual that's a stranger stalker, and then you have the um, acquaintance stalker. And an acquaintance stalker is someone that doesn't date but has some type of relationship with the victim, has met them someplace, a bookstore or a restaurant or even a business associate and that type of thing. So Mm -hmm. those are the basic three. Now, we break them down into subcategories in the book as well, like vengeance-type stalkers and predator-type stalkers and neighborhood stalkers, and we have a huge problem with campus stalking. We also have a lot of problems with people like yourselves that do therapy. So we have therapists that are stalked on a fairly regular basis and as well as other health care providers because in your case, the stalker attaches because you try to help them and they feel a personal commitment with you. And that's one of the problems that we run into on a regular basis. It's just part of the way you do things. It's it's not something you can control. Right. So you have to know the different types of stalkers. Mm-hmm. Most, many stalkers, I won't say most, but vast majority of stalkers we run across have mental disorders, personality disorders primarily. Mm-hmm which are typically not the people who we see in therapy coming in saying, I have a problem, I need to fix this. So it leaves them on their own to kind of fester these ways of thinking about the person that they're getting obsessed with. Yes, the last therapist that I dealt with had a, uh, it wasn't bipolar, but it was borderline personality disorder. Mm. And uh, she would come in, uh, see what this therapist was dressed like that day, and she would come into the office dressed exactly the same way the next day and and that type of thing. So, And then she started wanting to bring a gun into the office and talk to her about that. And the therapist obviously eliminated that and and stopped the uh, therapy with her. So it's just one of those things we run across all the time. So there's all different types of stalkers. Everybody thinks they're all the same, and they're not. Mm -hmm. And you have to know the type of stalker that you're dealing with. Right. And I think you talk about like when there's a stranger stalker that you actually start with the person who's being stalked. Um, I think you said kind of work backwards. That's what you have to work. You don't know anything. You don't know who the stalker is. And it's very disconcerting to the victim because she has no idea who this is. Most of the time, stranger stalkers are known to the victim. They just don't realize it. Mm -hmm. And so what happens is then we have to work the victim. In other words, we do surveillance. We do backgrounds on them. We find out where they go, what they do, that type of thing. And actually, we kind of stalk the victim to find Mm -hmm. out what's going on with the stranger stalker. The last one we had, we sat up in a parking lot and waited for him to uh, put some stuff down on her car and that type of thing. That's what he was doing. He was taking Uh pictures of his genitals and putting them on her car. Oh, no. So we sat in the bushes. Oh, yeah, you know, I, I like working stalkers because you know, they're unusual people. I mean, it's never a dull moment. <laughs> 
and then we arrested him after we uh, contacted him doing that. So those are things you have to do. Right. And so with the different types, so there's different types of stalkers, and then there's these different professions that are maybe more high risk for being stalked when you're working in close proximity with people and reaching out to them in certain ways, the way doctors do, the way therapists do, and then you've got the celebrity kind of stalker. So, and again, your book details all this so well. You're listening to Coaching Through Chaos, your host, Dr. Colleen Mullen, bringing you what you need to succeed. For those that are not sure if they're being stalked, how does a person really know a stalker from just someone who has a really big crush on them? And in your book, you talk about the stalker's bag of tricks. Can you talk a little bit about that? That's a good question because a lot of people when I'm teaching or lecturing, they'll come up and and they'll say, well, how do you know if you're being stalked? I look at them and I say, okay, you'll know if you have a stalker because what's going to happen is the individual, if you've had a relationship with them, then they start to get more controlling. They, they try and eliminate you from your friends. They try and basically cut you out of the herd is the way we talk about it. And they want to control your time. They want to know where you are at all times. They don't want you to see your friends. They try and keep you away from your family because it, it, they want to be the one, the primary in your life. Now, when you start getting all kinds of cards and gifts and letters and you tell the individual, no, I'm not interested, and they continue on, that's pretty much a clue that something's going on. You're going to know when it, when the attention becomes uncomfortable, then you're probably being stalked. Mm-hmm. Especially if you read my book, you can just see the pattern develop, the control, yeah. the control issues. And stalking's about control, by the way. And when you're talking celebrity stalking, a lot of times those people script their stalking. In other words, what I mean is when you're when they see you on television or they see you on a radio broadcast or something like that, or I mean they see you. Yeah. They think you're actually talking to them. And most mm-hmm. stalkers that are go after celebrities are delusional. Most of the stalkers we deal with are not delusional at all. They know exactly what they're doing. Mm-hmm. But stalkers that go after um, celebrities and that type of thing are what we call automatic stalkers. Yes. So they actually feel that they have a relationship with that person. Uh, they have children with them, or they're married to them, or they've been together for years when, in fact, they have no clue who these people are when they come across them. Right. So you're definitely dealing with a mental illness at that point with the delusion. Right. Exactly. But see, the thing is, mental does not work in the defense category with a stalker. Why do you think that is? I don't know. I. <laughs> why Because is all that? stalkers show planning. Ah, uh, Okay. So they can't say that I didn't know right from wrong. They were planning it. And Mm -hmm. that shows conscious effort of the crime. Got it. So that doesn't work. You want to say this guy's mentally ill. That's great. But Mm -hmm. what did he do or what did she do, et cetera? So we have female stalkers who go out and get driver's license with the victim's name, the target's what we call them, with the target's Uh name on her life, last name. They tell people they're married. They do all kinds of things. They're really strange and unusual people. Yeah. And stalkers come from all varieties of life. Mm-hmm. We have cops that are stalkers. We've got judges. We've got attorneys. We've got doctors. And then we've got, you know, the normal everyday stalker. And 
most soccers are extremely intelligent, mm-hmm. either book smart or street smart, for the most part that we find. And so um, they know how to work their victims. And cyber stalking is a huge problem right now. Campus stalking as well. And and which kind of stalking? Campus stalking. We're having campus, a lot of problems. Yes. Campus stalking. Can you talk a little bit about the cyber stalking, just as an offshoot? Because there's so much going on with everybody being all over social media. Can you talk about yeah, that's the, the risk problem. Of social that? media. I'm not on by the way, I'm not on Facebook or any of that stuff. I don't know how to work all that. And mm-hmm. I personally don't want to know how to work all that. <laughs> but see that's the problem. People love to put information out on themselves all the time now. Photographs, inf- information about their family. They tell you everything in the world. That's mm-hmm. what we tell people when they first contact somebody, they're gonna maybe date, mm-hmm. meet them someplace. Don't tell them everything in the world about about you because stalkers thrive off of information and cyber stalking is huge because they can run all kinds of background information on you uh, the guys that are astute most of the new stalkers we're getting the, the millennials and stuff they're very good at doing computer searches on you and mm-hmm. also hacking into your uh, information hacking into your facebook hacking into right. whatever you do right and once they do that they can even see all your chats and messages with people right. that you think are private right they download a trojan into your smartphone or they download a trojan into your computer mm. and so it's a, everything you type or whatever else they can see it it's a scary thing I say, it's definitely frightening when you stop and think about that right because now we have we have what we call rcfls uh, regional forensic computer labs that are the fbi and local law enforcement work those there's 12 i think or maybe 15 now in the united states and they work all this cyber crime and a lot of police departments go to them because they don't have the money to do it and it's a huge problem wow so so things for people to think about next time they're signing into facebook and putting their status up right what can a person do to protect themselves if they find or suspect that they're being stalked what resources are available to them well number one here's what we tell them to do we tell them to document document, document. So whatever the stalker leaves or contacts them with, they need to log all that in. And if they get numerous cards, letters, gifts, that type of thing, Mm -hmm. they need to keep those and take them into the law enforcement agency. We need to have them contact law enforcement. Now, here's the situation. You may not want to contact a patrol deputy or a a street cop because they may not be well-versed in stalking. So what we strongly suggest that you do is you get your act that you have to become your own advocate a lot of times when you're a stalking victim. You contact a detective that is assigned to work either domestic violence and or stalking. Mm-hmm. Most DV detectives are trained in stalking to some extent. But the problem is that sometimes you have to keep going back to these people and going, look, I'm really having a problem and you need to really help me. Because if you go into the desk office or something like that, he will look at you and go, well, he really hasn't committed a crime yet, and you don't have to do that with stalking. Stalking's a course of conduct crime, and you don't have to have a direct threat for it to be a crime. It has to be an implied threat for stalking. So over a okay. period of time, this guy's strange behavior has caused you physical or mental harm, Mm-hmm. and you can prove that up, that's stalking. So much like back 20 years ago with my nine months of being stalked, mm-hmm. that was an implied crime, and now today that would be prosecuted. Absolutely. Well, it should be prosecuted. The National Stalking Training Academy in the U.K. is getting the same feedback. That's I'm a member of that, and also I'm a member of OVC, Office of Victim of Crime out of mm-hmm. Washington, D.C., 
as well as the Stocking Resource Center. And the Stocking Resource Center, I've been in contact with them. I, I know the director there quite well. I'm getting ready to write another article in regards to why stocking isn't being prosecuted in the United States. And after teaching the district attorney's office, I, I just did three symposiums for the California District Attorney's Association on stocking. And after mm-hmm. talking to a multitude of DAs on that, I found out basically here's what's happening, is that law enforcement's not doing a good enough job in the investigation of the stocking to get the prosecutor to actually, actually prosecute the case. So we have very small numbers of victims' cases being prosecuted throughout the United States, not just California, mm-hmm. where it should be a because we're supposed to be well-trained in it, and we're really not. So that's an issue. You have to be your own advocate. That's what I want to get across. There's a whole litany of things that we give you in the book on what you should do, Mm -hmm. what to expect in the stocking trial, what to look for when you are being stocked, what to keep in your car, on and on and on. We just don't have time to go through no. all that. Stuff. No, but it really is. Your book is really uh, a comprehensive education on the whole idea of stalking, the profile of them, the different types, how to protect yourself, and as you said, what you can expect. So from start to finish. Um, right. And I'll definitely be letting the audience know where they can find your book at the end of the podcast and also uh, for your website. Right. I didn't write it to make money. I wrote it to help the people. So mm-hmm. I mean, this is right. deal. Well, Detective Mike Proctor, I want to thank you so much for taking the time out to uh, do this interview for me. I think you really have helped educate so many people, and I'm hoping today that this goes down as another resource for our audience. Well, great. It's been a great talk to you, Colleen, and I hope everything works out well for those that you assist. Thank you. All right. Take it easy. You're listening to Coaching Through Chaos, your host, Dr. Colleen Muller, bringing you what you need to succeed. Welcome back. If you're as fascinated by this subject as I am, you can find Detective Proctor's book on Amazon. It's called Antidote for a Stalker. In the book, Detective Proctor also gives you case examples from the media and from his experience in law enforcement of the different types of stalkers that they have profiled. Detective Proctor can be reached for educational and speaking engagements at DetectiveMikeProctor.com, all spelled out. If any of this resonated with you because you are concerned that you or someone you know is being stalked, please reach out to your local law enforcement. Detective Proctor mentioned that most domestic violence officers are trained in stalking protocols, so ask for someone that specializes in that. He also talks about documenting the stalking. In the article on PriceOfBusiness.com that goes along with this episode, I provide you with a link to the Victims of Crime Stalking Resource Center. On that website, there is actually a form you can download to help you organize and keep track of the attempts the stalker makes to contact you, and this way you can pass that on to your local law enforcement officers. The article also gives descriptions of the various types of stalkers that Detective Proctor started to give in the interview. In addition to the domestic violence stalker, the acquaintance stalker, and the stranger stalker, I'll also define for you the subsets. There are the triangle stalker, the predator, the third-party stalker, the retribution stalker, and the neighborhood, the juvenile, and the campus stalkers. So lots of information in that article for you. Whatever you do, be safe and don't tackle this alone. There is help out there for you and you do have legal rights. 
Well, this wraps up another episode of the Coaching Through Chaos podcast on priceofbusiness.com. As our database of resources grows each week, you'll find the episodes categorized by topic on coachingthroughchaos.com slash podcast. Look for new episodes each Tuesday. Next week, I'll be interviewing Darlene Lancer. She's a therapist who specializes in the area of codependency and relationships. She's got lots of helpful information on that subject to help improve your relationship. After that, I've got the Eastern Foundry people who are developing an incubator for startups helping veterans. I also have a nutritional and entrepreneurial expert, a couple's financial expert, and more just in the next few weeks. If you want to follow me between episodes, you can sign up for my mailing list at coachingthroughchaos.com slash podcast. When you sign up for my mailing list, I'll be able to send you a free code to download my new ebook, Five Ways. It's 100 tips for living a happier, healthier life. You can find me on Twitter with the handle at Dr. Colleen Mullen, and I'd love to hear from you on there, and on Facebook at Coaching Through Chaos. I want to give a special thanks to Dr. B for handling all my audio and editing, and thanks to BennettSullivanMusic.com for my theme music. Okay, I hope you're having a great week, and if you've got chaos in your life, I hope you're finding your way through it. Take care.